Church, we thank God for yet another Sunday to get the opportunity to be in His presence. It's always a privilege to bring the Word of God to loving people like you, not only members of Life City Church, but those who are watching us through live streaming within Queensland, Australia, and beyond. Before the Word of God comes, I want us to have a word of prayer to prepare us into his presence. Let's bow down our heads as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet another opportunity that we can call today a blessed day, a day that you're giving to us. Your word says that today is the day the Lord has made, and we should rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we are grateful. We are praying, oh God, that as your word is about to come, we pray that your Holy Spirit will minister unto our heart. I pray as a vessel that you use me to bless your kids and your lovely people who are listening from near and far. Holy Spirit, speak through me to your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank Pastor Paul, the leadership of the church for always giving me the opportunity to share the word of God to everyone. Before I go into scriptures, and before we go into the word of God, I want us to spend three to four minutes to pray for the nation called Ukraine. We all know what is happening in Europe. The nation is being invaded by Russia. But we are coming to pray. We know we serve a God who listens. We know we serve a God. When we pray unto him, he calms the situation. We want to join Jesus when the storm was rolling and he said that peace be still. We are offering prayers to Christians in Ukraine, the nation, and everybody who has been affected so far. That God will touch the heart of President Putin to stop this atrocity against the nation and against mankind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And your word says that in all things we should give thanks unto your holy name. This morning we come before you and we are praying and we are standing with Ukraine. And we are declaring that God, your sovereignty and your power should reign. Whatever the devil has planned, we stop it in the name of Jesus. And we declare, let peace reign. Your word says that the heart of the king is in your hand, and you turn it anyhow you desire. We pray that you touch the heart of President Putin to stop, so that there will be peace in Europe, and there will be peace on the continent. We give you praise, we give you adoration in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for spending some time to pray for Ukraine, and that is what God expects of us, that when you see your neighbor in trouble, you spend time to pray. We shouldn't cease praying. We should always pray. 
that God will intervene and there will be peace in Ukraine and in Europe. This morning, I want us to look at a very important subject once again. When God was ministering to my heart to prepare this message, I was asking the Holy Spirit so many questions on this subject. And when I dived into the Word of God, He really gave me an understanding. And He said that this is what I want my children to know concerning this subject. This morning, the topic that God has laid on my heart to share with the church and with Christians listening to me from near and afar is practical faith. Practical faith. Everybody has faith. Every religion talks about faith. But when they talk about faith as Christians and as believers, what really must we understand about faith? Must we take faith like, oh, I should have faith, so whatever matters, my faith should do the job for me? Or we should understand the biblical context and what God intends for us to know about the subject faith. Let us read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, maybe 1 to 6, so that we'll get a better understanding. The writer of Hebrew, which I believe is Paul, you know, tried to give us a definition or a biblical understanding of what faith is. Now, if you read from verse 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, very important. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being divinely one of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an act for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of, right, of the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents, which Isaac and Jacob the hells with him of the same promises. Hallelujah. So the book of Hebrews is giving us 
an explanation of faith and some examples of what people did that was attributed to their faith in God. Very, very important. Let's bring this to our practical or our present scenario. Now, if you look at this form I have in my hand, it is an iPhone. So many people buy electronic gadgets based on the belief they have in the brand or the manufacturer of that phone or electronic gadgets. So some person may buy a Nokia phone, a Samsung phone, a technical phone, a Huawei phone, or an phone. Some will buy Android and so on and so forth. But mind you, the person buying that phone, the choice the person made is based on the brand or the manufacturer that produced that phone. When it comes to us and God and faith, there is something key that we need to understand about Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Two key principles. One, the central feature of faith is confidence or trust. It's confidence or trust. Because NIV says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Another thing we need to learn about faith, central truth from Hebrews 11.1 1, is this. In the Bible, the object of faith is God and his promises. The object of faith in God in the Bible is God and his promises. So that as a believer, one of the things that you need to recognize is if you have faith, who are you having faith in? Is your faith based on material things or the good work or job that you have or the nice car you ride in? Perhaps that is what you are basing your faith in. But those are material things. If your faith is not based on God, then there's a problem. Because that faith has the ability to push you down. Now, something interesting happens in the Bible. A clear example of this is when Abraham encountered with God in Genesis 15. In response to God's promise of countless descendants, Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Commenting on this, Apostle Paul writes, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now, what is actual faith? Faith means putting your trust in God and having confidence that he will fulfill his promise. As a Christian, you need to understand this definition of faith. It means putting your trust in God and having confidence that he will fulfill his promise. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter what your feeling is. Because when it comes to faith, God does not rely on your human feelings. God wants you to rely on his ability to perform and to fulfill his promise. Now, mind you, we have so many political powers. We have prime ministers, we have you know, 
presidents, we have premiers, we have ministers, we have majors, we have so many people. People tend to believe some of these people based on what they say. But because they are humans, most of the time, they are not able to fulfill all their promises. But when it comes to us and God, there hasn't been any single moment that when God spoke about an event, he never did. Anytime God promises something, whether it will take a year or two, or many years, he watches over his word to fulfill it. That is why as a believer, one of the things that you need to believe in is putting your trust in God and believing in his promises. Now we'll look at some examples in the Bible. But if you look at Genesis 15 concerning Abraham, God instructed him, move from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. He never knew where he was going. He never knew the challenges he would encounter on the way. Then he believed that the person talking to him is the maker of the universe, the creator of everything. And he believed that so long as God has told him to act, he believed in that promises of God. Hallelujah. And that is what we need to discover about faith. The word of God says that curse be unto the person who will put his trust in man. Hallelujah. So curse be unto the person who will put his trust in man. So it is uncommon that when you begin to trust in man, man will fail you. You have to trust man. As children, we trust our parents. As congregation, we trust our pastors. As citizens, we trust our prime minister and the politicians. But Bible says that don't put your trust in man. So faith is not putting your trust in any object except God. And I'm going to take us through three kinds of faith. There are so many types of faith depending on people's experiences and how they encounter God, and what God made them go through. But today, I want us to consider just three aspects of faith, and learn certain key lessons from those faiths. The first faith that we want to look at is mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith. And these illustrations didn't come from any other person than our Lord and personal Savior, Jesus Christ. Now let's read Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. Then I read the New King James Version. So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a master's seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And I want to explain this, the content behind this. Jesus Christ was away from his disciples, and the family brought a child who was demon-possessed to them. Thinking that they'd been with Jesus Christ, they could work the same level of miracles that Jesus Christ performed, which technically, by faith in Jesus, they should have been able to do. So they tried everything they could. They couldn't cast out this devil. And lo and behold, Jesus Christ came into the scene. 
The moment he came, he rebuked the demon, and the child was set free. So when all this drama was you know, over, the disciples went to Jesus in secrecy and said, Master, why couldn't we do what we did, you did? And all that he said is because of your own belief. They didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in Jesus that they could do the same thing. They were trusting in the fact that they had a close association with Jesus there. But they didn't believe. They didn't believe that within them is a kind of power that that power can move mountains. So Jesus says, Christ said that if you have a faith like a master seed, and let me tell you, a master seed is a very tiny seed. Those of us who sow, we, we know how pins look like. It has a tiny head. That tiny head is what can be associated with the size of a master seed. Very tiny. Jesus said that you don't need a big faith to move or change situation. All that you need is that little faith and that trust in the word of God. That what God has said, he is capable and he is prepared to make sure that it comes to pass. So he said that it doesn't matter. If you believe God and you have trust in God, you can talk to that mountain that moves from this area, and that mountain will move. Physically, this is possible. But Jesus Christ was making a spiritual and practical you know, examples, giving practical examples, that no situation that you go through is beyond God. If you encounter any storm in life, and you trust in the word of God, the word of God that says that I will not leave you nor forsake you, and even in the storm or in fire, I will be with you. That trust you have in God, in his promises, it is able to move mountains. Hallelujah. So Jesus Christ is teaching us that you don't need to have big faith to be able to cause things to change in your environment. The moment you believe in that little thing, that trust you have for God that I am sick, you are the divine healer. Your word has said that you sent forth your word to heal others. Your word says that by your strife we are here. You believe in that word that Jesus Christ can heal you by the strife he received before he died. That promise that he is giving in his word, you believe in it, you receive your healing. Now practically, something happened in the Bible. Let's look at some practical examples. Now, when we talk about in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, 10 to 17, there was a, a, a prophet called Elisha. And Bible says that when the king of Aram plot against Israel, Elisha will see it and tell the king of Israel. And any plot they, they plotted, they couldn't succeed. So the king became frustrated, the enemy became frustrated and said that who amongst us is leaking our information? And he said that, king, there's a prophet in Israel called Elisha. Whatever you say, he hears it and tells the king of Israel. The king became furious and sent his army to go and arrest Elisha. Now, Elisha was asleep in his house with his servants. And Bible says that the army surrounded the city where Elisha was. So during the morning, the servant of Elisha went out and saw a host of army encamping the city. So when the man of God came, he said, Master, can't you see what is about to happen? And he said, come on, relax. 
Elisha believed that even if God had not opened his eyes, he knew that God is there. Look, there's one thing that I believe in as a child of God. I believe that everywhere I find myself, I have angels of God surrounding and protecting me. I don't need to see them, but because I know that he is giving his angels charge over me, I believe in that word of God. So I know that angels are guiding me, they are over my household, they are protecting my family, because God has assured me he will never leave me nor forsake me. He is hiding me under his shadows. Hallelujah. So Elisha saw multitudes of angels that the servant didn't see. Then he prayed that God opened his eyes. Then when he opened his eyes, he saw. But the fact that he never saw them when his eyes were open doesn't mean that God wasn't on the scene. And that is what Jesus Christ meant. If you have a little faith like a master seed, it doesn't matter whether you believe that God will do it or not. Your trust and your faith in God will cause him to fulfill his promises. Because faith is trusting in God and he fulfilling his promises about the situation you find yourself in. Another thing also happened in Matthew chapter 8, 5 to 13. There was a Roman soldier who had a servant and that servant was sick. Because the, the, the Roman soldier, commander or army commander loved the servant so much, he made the effort to go to Jesus. So he met Jesus. And he said that, Master, my servant is sick. And Jesus said that, oh, do you want me to come home to heal your servant? Now, a very important conversation happened between the Roman centurion and Jesus Christ. He said that, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. And he started connecting the promises of God. And he used physical experiences to connect into the realm of the spirit. He said, I'm a man of authority. And I have so many soldiers under me. All that I do is I say a word and I command them in the act of my instructions. I know that you are God, the creator of the universe. I just want you to speak your word. And I know that once you speak your word, that word will hear my servant. Hallelujah. The Roman commander and the commander believe in Jesus Christ. He has heard of him. He has heard about what he is capable of being and what he has done. And he said, look, speak your word and my servant will be healed. And Bible said that, Jesus said that, I have not seen such a great faith in Israel like what you have portrayed. And he said that, go, your faith has given you what you need. And that same moment, his servant got here. What is he trying to tell you? The Roman army commander had a little faith, and he knew that God, Jesus Christ is God, and he could do what he is requesting him to do. And when he had and exercised that faith, it happened. What are you basing your faith on as a child of God? Are you trusting him that he can do everything? Do you believe really that God exists? Or instead of trusting in him, you go around telling people your problem. Who will make a mockery of you? Let me tell you, it's not everybody who smiles with you and listens to your story, sympathizes or empathizes with you. The moment you tell them, they will pretend as if they are okay. 
Then once you turn your back, they begin to point accusing fingers. Look at him, look at her. So you don't, the first thing you need to do as a child of God is to express your trust in God. The second thing is you have to believe in his promises. Jesus said that you don't need a big faith. You just need that tiny faith. And once you believe in it, it will be done. There is nothing beyond the power of God. Is it sicknesses or job or afflictions that you are going through? He has the power to stop it. All that he needs from you is believing him. However he will achieve the results, doesn't matter to you. All that matters is you believe in him and he brings the results to pass. That is what is called practical faith. Yours is to believe. And once you believe in him, he will execute it. Another type of faith I want us to look at briefly is faith with works and faith without works. Faith with works and faith without works. We are looking at practical faith. Now let's look at James chapter 2, 14 to 26. 14. What does it profit my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one or two says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for their body, what does it profit? That's also faith by itself, if it does not have worth, is dead. Hallelujah. There's, someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But you do want, but do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scriptures was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see then that the man is justified by works and not by faith only. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. We have discussed about the master seed faith. Jesus said that you need that master seed faith to act. James is also giving us another dimension of faith. That as children of God, you shouldn't be lazy and, and expect that God will do everything for you. Now let me give one practical example in the Bible. The Bible said that there was a woman that had an issue of blood. He was bleeding for so many years. He had visited so many physicians, doctors. He has taken so many medicines and it didn't work. Now mind you, this woman believed that God can heal her. He believed that Jesus Christ is God and he has the power. He sat down and talked within her and said that if I can make my way to Jesus and I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. Hallelujah. So she had a faith, but she supported the faith with actions. She just didn't sit in the comfort of her room and lay on her bed and said that, oh, I believe, so it will be done. God does not work that way. There's a part you need to have in faith. You have to do your part. 
Once you've done your part, you believe in God that God is capable of doing what he has promised to do. So this woman moved from his home and went through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And instantly, that faith she had became a reality. Hallelujah. James is saying that if somebody comes to you and the person is in need, as a child of God, you have to encourage the person that if you have the means to support the person, the person is hungry. You didn't feed the person. You said, oh, God, God will provide you with food. I believe it. You are being an evil and a wicked servant because then you are not practicing faith. God expects that you will have practical solution to the person. Oh, I have food home. Can I give you something to eat so that you can stay alive? Then once you do that, you pray with the person that I'm praying to God to give you the opportunity to get work to do so that you will not go begging people for food. That is practical faith. Then in most accounts, what we found is you have people or Christians or the church. They have members or people who are going through pain. They have the means to support them. But no. They will say, that, let's pray for them. They will not give any aid or assistance. That brother or sister has money. We say that, oh, it is well, brother. It is well, sister. God will do it for you. Meanwhile, you have money that you can use to support the person. You can meet the needs of that person. You didn't do it. And you think that faith that you're expressing will yield results? No. There are times that we need to go the extra mile and demonstrate to people around us and to God that we believe in you, but we will also play our part. If Abraham decided not to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, he wouldn't have gotten all the promises of God. The moment he offered Isaac as a sacrifice and God stopped in and provided the lamb, God said, now I know that you trust me. And the Bible said that God swore by himself that in blessing I will bless you. Your descendants will be great. Anybody who curses you, I will curse. And anybody who blesses you, I will bless. Abraham took that step of faith to offer Isaac. And God saw the intent and the heart that act of work Abraham did. And it was accounted in him for righteousness. So faith has a component of work. You have to do something. You must do your part and leave the rest up to God. Hallelujah. It is like we are praying for Ukraine. We are in Australia or whatever part of the world you find yourself. Physically, you cannot go. So what you can do is to stand on your feet and be praying. And we are praying to God that God should intervene. If you are close to corridors of powers, whether you can influence politicians to take the right decision, as a child of God, you do. So that the situation can be brought under control. So faith can be alive or dead depending on how you approach it. The last kind of faith that I want us to look at is this. The gift of faith. The gift of faith. This is given by the Holy Spirit. I will not talk so much about the gifts of faith because last week, I know Pastor David's methods touched on it. But there is also a kind of faith that is God-given. It's a gift. 
It is given by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't rely on the master seed faith or faith with or without ways. Those who have that Holy Spirit kind of gift are moved by inspiration within and they can do supernatural things. It's not everybody who will be gifted with the gift of faith, but that gift, gift of faith also exists. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 to 11, now concerning spiritual brethren, I will not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these damned idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord by birth by the Holy Spirit. Now there are diversities of gift by the same Spirit, and there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. If you look at the verse 9, he said that to another, faith by the same Spirit. Hallelujah. So there are some people, they have very intimate relationship with God. And God has given them diversity of gifts, healing, you know, speaking in tongues, so on and so forth. And one of them is faith. You see, when those Christians or those people encounter situation and that gift is stirred within their spirit, there's nothing that is practically impossible. It doesn't matter whether that situation is dead or alive. The moment they have that, you know, Spirit within them, urge them to stick to that situation, it is done. Hallelujah. So that kind of faith is there. But it is not every believer that will be privileged to have the gift of faith. That is why the first two kinds of faith that I spoke about is very vital. The master sees faith, which Jesus said that everybody can possess that. You don't need the gift of faith to move mountains. Because it's not every Christian that will be giving the gift of faith. It's a gift. So you can have it or you may not have it. But the master sees faith. Jesus Christ expects you to have that faith in God that he is capable of bringing to pass every promises he has for you. What are you going through as a child of God? How do you perceive God to be? And those challenges that you are going through in life, I want to challenge you that you don't need a very big faith. You don't need to be a pastor or an elder or a deacon or a bishop or an archbishop. All that you need is your trust in God. The trust, that little trust that I believe that God is my heavenly father. And anytime I talk to daddy father, he comes to my aid. Now let me tell you, God is, is a faithful God. He's a wonderful God. Anytime his children pray to him, he listens and he answers. Three things happen when we pray. Either the answer comes instantly, or it waits for God's appointed time, or God says that the answer is no, because when I bring you the answer to your prayer, it is going to destroy you. But in, so much, in as much as the responses can be any of these three that I have mentioned, you still have to trust that God has answered you. I want to challenge your faith today that have the master seed faith that is capable of moving mountains. And when you have the opportunity to serve, 
Help people who are in need so that your faith will grow in God. I believe that God has a word for somebody. That's why this word has come. And I know that as you sit quietly and you pray to God, God will take you through the journey of faith. Thank you.